Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the book of Numbers, chapter 11, verse 24 through 30, Acts 2, chapter 1, verse 21, the Gospel according to John, chapter 7, verse 37 through 39, in Psalm 104, 25 through 35, and verse 37. O oh God, grant that all who search for life's meaning may discover such in a relationship of love and trust in you. Amen. I'm Christine Andrew, and today we're going to think about being ready for the unexpected. Perhaps the first thing to mention is that though I've been a parishioner here at Redeemer for a long time, I certainly never expected to be delivering a homily here at Pentecost or on any other Sunday for that matter. But I'm excited to dig a little deeper into the story of that amazing day that we heard described in our reading from Acts. Have you ever looked forward to a special event that you expected would be fun, but maybe predictable, only to discover that others had different ideas? Maybe the quiet birthday celebration that morphed into a riotous party when a bunch of people jumped out from behind furniture and yelled, surprise! <laughs> Today, we heard about the disciples meeting together to celebrate the Jewish festival of Pentecost. The name comes from the Greek word for 50th. The festival actually occurred 50 days after Passover. This year, the disciples were not going to celebrate it with Jesus because they'd seen him ascend into heaven 10 days before. So I imagine they missed him terribly, but otherwise, they had no reason to suppose that the festival would turn out any differently than in previous years. So on that Pentecost morning, what did the disciples know as they met together? They knew that Jesus had come back from the dead and, and was alive in some form because he'd appeared to them many times and talked to them about the kingdom of heaven. They knew that they were to follow Jesus' instruction to stay in Jerusalem and wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit not many days from now, was what he told them. They'd been told that they were going to be clothed in power from on high, as Luke's gospel has it. But they were far from certain as to what this power was. Even at the last minute, they were asking Jesus if this was the time when the kingdom would be restored to Israel. Was Israel going to become a powerful political entity? That's none of your business, is pretty much how Jesus replied. This power will be poured out on you so you can witness to me 
to the ends of the earth. They knew that even though they didn't fully understand any of this, they'd spent enough time with Jesus to know that if he said something would happen, then surely it would happen. What actually did happen was beyond human imagination. The rush of a violent wind, tongues of fire, great masses of people gathering in amazement to hear these Galileans speaking in the language of each of the people in the crowd. Or maybe the people listening had been given the power to hear in their own languages. It doesn't matter, it was a miracle. It was all so very raucous that Peter had to raise his voice to be heard above the din. This is Peter, who we think of as slow of wit and hot of head. He seems to be the only one to keep his cool in all this commotion and is actually able to explain what's going on. Filled with the Spirit, he gave the most impassioned speech of his life so far. It was a message to reach the hearts of his Jewish audience. He saw and made a clear connection between the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the scriptures which foretold that Israel was to be a light and a blessing to all nations. By this power alone was it going to happen. And when he finished, 3,000 people became believers. What a fantastic day that turned out to be. Now, for those of us who are more used to the idea of God speaking in a still, small voice, the Holy Spirit coming to us as a whisper, a gentle nudge, might not we have been among those who dismissed the whole event as the ravings of drunken men? Well, there are countless testimonies to outward manifestations of the Holy Spirit. On balance, scripture and experience seem to point to the gentler attributes. But this was a big God doing big things. And I think that we can never assume how the Holy Spirit will work and speak to us in our lives, in our church, in our world. Our own experience often attests to the fact that we perceive the movement of the Spirit when we look at events retrospectively. Many years ago, I was preparing to leave a pretty decent IT job in England to spend three years in a vibrant, beautiful, affluent city in southwest Germany on the edge of the Black Forest. It was an exciting prospect, but I faced it with a great deal of uncertainty. As I was the accompanying spouse, there was no job for me, nor were my few words of high school German likely to land me one. Volunteerism 
wasn't a major element of civic life as it is here in the United States. But I wanted to be useful. Oh God, I prayed, what on earth am I going to do there? Do you actually have some work in mind for me? And will I even find a church to join? What actually happened was this. On our very first Sunday there, we located an Anglican church in the city. And I learned that after a long period without a chaplain, a new priest was to be appointed to help revive the work and minister to a modest but growing number of residents, international residents and visitors there. Before I knew it, I had become the quintessentially church lady, helping to welcome newcomers, working with others to form a Bible study group, taking minutes at church meetings, lecturing at services, and so on. I seem to remember drawing the line when I was asked to organize the church bazaar. <laughs> Being in a strange country, dislodged from the routine of my previous life, hearing fresh preaching and enjoying fellowship with an international congregation, I would say I came to a new and much broader understanding of what church could be. I was happy, I, I had a purpose. I made lots of friends and I had a good life to boot. But of course, there was a much bigger picture. This wasn't actually about me. Surely the Holy Spirit had brought us together from many different countries and walks of life to expand that small community of faith, to continue in the tradition of the early disciples to be witnesses to Jesus to the ends of the earth. Peter interpreted the events of that Pentecost in the light of his tradition and his experience of following Jesus, but not everyone welcomed the message. And it's not hard to see why. It meant that these devout people would have to significantly revise their ideas about what constituted faithfulness to their God. We're not told what was spoken and heard in all those different languages, only that it had something to do with God's deeds of power. That God was a powerful God they could accept. But the egalitarian and universal nature of this revelation was a lot to take on board. And what did that Galilean troublemaker Jesus have to do with anything? How do we recognize the movement of the Holy Spirit and become a part of God's work in the world in our own day? Many of us, myself included, picked up our ideas about what it means to be Christian and about the Bible in our early years, explicitly from Sunday school or church school 
or perhaps implicitly from the behavior and attitudes of our parents and grandparents. Yet, the day that we realized that we were never going to graduate from the School of Christian Learning was a blessed day indeed. In this lifelong endeavor of discipleship, our Christian faith calls us to be ready to open our hearts and minds to the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. And from the vantage point of seven decades of life, I can tell you that this can be an uncomfortable experience. We know that society is changing very rapidly, and it can be tiring, even painful, to be asked frequently to re-examine our assumptions. It may even feel like a betrayal of our heritage. Some years ago, a priest in this church led a discussion on whatever the hot topic of the day was. I don't remember precisely what it was, but it was one of those things that really had the potential to be divisive. And I remember him remarking that we assume that if the Holy Spirit wants to spread a particular message in this world, chances are the Spirit will speak to the world through the church. Could it be, he asked, that in some cases, God is using the world to speak to the church? I know a number of alarm bells were set off in my head when I heard this. On the face of it, it sounds like a slippery slope. How do we discern that this really is the Holy Spirit at work and not just the world leading us up the garden path? Well, we're not going to come to a comprehensive answer to that question this morning, but I do think that the part of Acts that describes what happened between the Ascension and Pentecost gives us some solid pointers. Firstly, we're told that after Jesus disappeared from sight, about 120 people, that was, we know the apostles, and certain women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was among them, met constantly for the purpose of praying together. Secondly, they were ready and waiting for something to happen, though they didn't know what to expect. Thirdly, there's a telling detail right at the beginning of the reading from Acts. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. They prayed, they were ready, and they were together. What this tells me is that we learn to follow Jesus and watch for the Holy Spirit by being committed as individuals and as a community. I need to really want this life that God offers to me. And I need to be here with all of you to share in the Eucharistic feast, to listen, to study scripture, to worship, and, dare I say, as a safe place to express doubt 
and frustration when the road gets bumpy. The story of Pentecost is our story. We're part of the ever-widening circles of believers begun in Acts. So, let's open our hearts expectantly, confident that the Holy Spirit is here, waiting to show us how to love, how to serve, how to be joyful, how to live into the vision of the Church of the Redeemer that the vestry has set before us. And finally, what it means to be a community of witnesses to God's deeds of power.